Well, a major advance in fusion research was announced in Washington yesterday. It was decades in the coming. Scientists say for the first time they have been able to engineer a reaction that produced more power than was used to ignite it. Well, here to tell us more about that is Ivan Semenuk, Globe and Mail science reporter. Ivan, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's uh, pretty exciting times. Very exciting. Can you break it down for us? And what are we actually looking at with this breakthrough? Sure. Well, fusion is a, is a form of energy, a form of nuclear energy that involves bringing small nuclei of hydrogen together and creating energy in the process. So that that uh, makes it quite different from the other kind of nuclear energy that we we know we all know about, which is uh, you know where you take a large atom like uranium and, and break it down and make uh, power that way and that's that's the conventional uh, approach so fusion is more challenging but can yield more energy and it's this long sought after goal by researchers to try to see if they could sustain that kind of reaction and perhaps uh, at some future time harness it for uh, for uh, you know reliable source of, of power which would be very exciting for all kinds of reasons it, it, it wouldn't use carbon it doesn't take up a lot of space and it would be you know, if you had the right technology, in theory, accessible all around the world. So it'd be a, a very exciting development in the future of world energy if it could be made to work. But the challenge has always been getting it to work. And uh, I would imagine that's still a big challenge. It is pretty amazing, though, when you when scientists looked at this or when they realized that they had triggered a reaction that released 50% more energy than it took to trigger the reaction. Not mm-hmm. to use the word reaction too much, but what do you think the reaction was when scientists realized they had done that? Well, you could tell yesterday, I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, tuning into the press conference along with lots of other people. They're obviously elated that they got to this point. And it wasn't, and you know, it's not entirely given that this was going to happen. I mean, I would say that it wasn't a big surprise sort of in the last couple of years because it was clear they were closing in on this target. But, you know, say if you went back 10 years ago, uh, where, where things were progressing much more incre- incrementally, it was harder to see how long it was going to take. But, but the last, uh, last couple of years in particular have really uh, seen some big gains. It mainly has to do with the technology behind the system that they're using. There are two types, at least two types of fusion, or sort of two pathways to fusion, I should say. There's only one type of fusion, but there are at least two ways to get there. One is this thing called magnetic confinement where you have a very hot plasma that's contained kind of in a magnetic trap. So various companies are exploring that and there's a very large demonstration reactor being built in France right now. Uh, That's sort of uh, seen as slightly further ahead along the way, but they haven't yet tested anything. They haven't started, uh, you know, to try to run their experiment. This other type of fusion that we're hearing about this week this is called inertial confinement fusion. This is where instead of trying to, you know, kind of contain this hot plasma like lightning in a bottle, they, uh, they only have fusion for a short time, just like a pulse, as they blast this target with a laser. But then they do create that energy output. And the idea in the long term would be if you could create uh, some kind of a setup where you're making those pulses or hitting those targets repeatedly over and over again and then sort of in... In, in that way, kind of continuously generating energy. And does it come with any of the same concerns then or the same worries about reactors or building reactors and having meltdowns and that kind of safety concern? It's very different. Uh, so I think it would be, 
misleading to say there's no radiation or there's no nuclear waste and so on, you know, because uh, a nuclear facility of any kind, you know, I mean, you're still getting your energy from these high-speed particles, in this case, neutrons moving very rapidly. So over time, the parts of the reactor would become irradiated and you'd have to sort of dispose of them in, in the right way. But that's not like the situation we have with conventional nuclear power, where you have, you know, the, the process itself produces spent fuel, uh, which you have to then, you know, curate and find a safe storage for for thousands and thousands of years. That's always been one of the uh, downsides of conventional nuclear energy. So, so it it's, uh, it uh, avoids that problem. It also avoids this issue of a meltdown because. Uh, Fusion is so hard to to get coaxed into life in the first place that if conditions aren't exactly right or if there's some problem with the reactor, it just shuts itself down immediately. There's no no further reaction. Uh, it doesn't you know you don't have that meltdown situation where you have a lump of uranium that can start to uh, go critical. All right, that makes sense. Uh, when we talk mm-hmm. about this uh, and the the excitement around this and this major milestone. Is this something that, that scientists have been working at and now that work becomes more realistic as far as what does this mean for the future of nuclear power, this type of power, or are there still other uh, milestones like this that need to be reached? Well, there are big milestones ahead. This is a big one, though, and I think the reason it's a big one is you get to that net energy point where, you still ha- you know, where you're getting more energy out than you're putting in. Even that, though, we have to qualify I mean, it's, it put out more energy than it absorbed from the laser, but it still takes more energy to run the laser. So, you know, I think the idea is to try to now make it more efficient, more streamlined, easier to repeat over and over again until you get to the point where the entire system could be powered with these reactions with energy to spare. And when you're in that situation, then you can start thinking about, okay, can we then harness this to a power plant? So that's likely still decades away, especially with inertial confinement fusion. Perhaps in the meantime, magnetic fusion will, will move ahead. Uh, and then there are companies right in Vancouver, General Fusion, which has a different kind of reactor design that employs elements of both magnetic and inertial. It's kind of a hybrid of the two. Uh, and there are other companies like that as well that kind of are trying out different approaches because they can leverage new technologies that weren't available, you know, uh, 20, 30 years ago. I think the whole field has got new impetus, new momentum from this. And I think now we're at a point where it's not a question of whether this, you know, whether fusion can happen, but, you know, how long will it be before it can play a significant role in in our energy um, kind of diet? Do you think it's going to then kind of leapfrog conventional nuclear energy and be a more welcome source or is that also putting it decades and decades down the road as as being a possible place where we would see that power storage and that power i I think it's starting to look very plausible that we will see working reactors uh you know in the 2030s uh i think it would still take a long time though for them to scale up to the point where they're making significant contribution but still that's that's saying a lot because for a long time it seemed, you know, fusion was that thing that was always on the horizon that we were never able to reach somehow. So, so I, I think it is not unrealistic to talk about uh, about uh, seeing working reactors uh, actually making power. Of course, there are technical hitches along the way. We can't predict them all, 
but uh, but it's not. Uh, it uh, you know. It, I think the optimism is 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 not. Uh, I think the optimism is well placed. I think the one thing people have to realize, though, <clears throat> there's a lot of conversation now about how fusion is sort of going to solve climate change, and I just want to maybe bring some reality to that issue. You know, even the best, most optimistic climate models, you know, tell us how quickly we have to get off carbon. I don't think fusion will be around with enough scale to take that off our shoulders. We're going to have to solve the climate problem in other ways, get off of carbon in other ways, but then at some further point, uh, fusion could indeed be there as a significant part of, of the long term of, of how the world meets its energy needs. All right. Uh, Ivan Semenak, thank you so much for joining us and for explaining this. Appreciate it. Thank you.